Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Dominic Mazzoni, CEO at Med Spa Partners Incorporated. Okay, everybody, Alex Tiersch here, and this is Medical Spa Insider, and on the M Spa Hotline, um, we have Dominic Mazzoni with Med Spa Partners, which is a uh, a group out of uh, Canada that is partnering with med spas across uh, across Canada, and I assume also in the states, and 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 is looking to 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 partner with and, and acquire med spas and help them grow. And I think it's really interesting. Um, it's really interesting uh, business that, uh, that he has. Uh, Dominic has been a, a lifelong entrepreneur. I've, according to my notes here, you started your first business at 16, which is amazing. And um, also ran some sort of online funeral business, which I've got to unpack a little bit because that just does not make sense to me in reading it out loud. But Dominic, welcome to the program. I appreciate you joining us. Oh, Alex, thank you so much uh, for uh, having me on the show. I'm excited about it. excited to talk about all those things you just uh, spoke about. It's yeah, let's. Well, you, business, where do we start? You gotta, you gotta get. You, you, I gotta get this off. This uh, co-founder and chairman of Basic Funerals and Cremation Choices, first digital funeral company. Is that right? And what is that? You got. You, you, you got to let me know. Uh, that yeah, so, been a serial entrepreneur since I was 16. <laughs> um, we started the first internet funeral company and uh, took the entire experience and brought it online for people just from an entire arrangement and all those types of things. Um, and then we're able to provide uh, funerals at about half the cost. Mm. Um, so um, I would say that all the families that we served loved us. Uh, the industry hated us. I'll bet. Um, but we really digitized that industry, and that was a that was a ton of fun. Well, now what do you mean now? Now what what do you mean by that though? What does digitize the funeral industry mean? Like, are you talking about doing like virtual funerals, or or how's that no, work? No, it's more you know it, you know when someone passed away. I mean, they were they were yeah, obviously in a distressed state, yeah. and they sure didn't want to go in somewhere and get sold hard on you know a right. lot of the things that they'll sell you. So what we did is we said, no problem. Let's put it all online. Let's price it all online. It's all there. You pick what you want. And then we took care of it from, from beginning to end. Um, and there was actually families in that business that we served that we never actually spoke to. Wow. On the phone. It was wow. all done. It was all done digitally, really. So, um, Amazing. yeah, so that was great. And I'd like to say that, you know, uh, taking an industry and, you know, turning it upside down. Uh, that part was fun. Funerals are not fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy I'm in the medical aesthetics uh, industry because that is so much fun in comparison. You make yeah. people feel good every day. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that was that business. And um, again, glad I'm doing medical aesthetics now. So serial entrepreneur starting at 16, what was it? What, what, what was the business you started at 16? Uh, it was a car detail business at 16, okay. um, born in Chicago. And at 13, we moved to San Diego, started selling ice cream on the beach, I think at like 14. And then at 16, <laughs> started my first business. And then at 17, I was bringing American bands to Tijuana uh, oh, to play. Man. So I was basically a promoter. And first of all, when and, you say selling ice cream on the beach, that you're talking about drugs, right? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> It was actual ice cream. <laughs> um, 
But wow, uh, too yeah, I've, I've oh. done a lot of different things, but in but back then in San Diego, all of us kids would go across the border every Friday, Saturday night, and it was uh, it was a huge party. Wow. So um, figured out a way to promote bands down there. That's crazy. So that was a ton of fun. That's crazy. That's I bet you got some stories. I've got a lot maybe of stories. one story from Tijuana, and it's really hazy. <laughs> I don't think I want to remember it, even if I could. Um, so tell me about MedSpot Partners. Though. I know I, I tried to describe it a little bit in the opening. I'm, pro- I'm sure I did a poor job of it. What uh, what does MedSpot Partners do? Yeah, so um, MedSpot Partners is, is really a consolidation of the medical aesthetics space. Um, we are acquiring clinics. Um, they're all under the MedSpot Partners umbrella. Um, and what we do is we let the clinicians be clinicians and we handle the business end. Um, and it's worked fantastic at this point because, um, we know what we don't know and we really stay out of that clinical side to, to really, you know, leave that in the hands of the folks that know how to do that so well while really taking on the other side, really taking the things that most people don't like to do, which is all your accounting, your bookkeeping, and your HR, and your IT, and your legal. But what we've also done is just created an incredible marketing engine um, that really does a fantastic job um, from a data-driven perspective on on really generating a whole lot of business. Um, And so we started in Canada, and just to take it back... um, we, it took me, oh, it took me up at least two and a half years to try to pull this together. I was, um, hmm. I was basically consulting on an orthodontics roll-up and, um, uh, I got introduced to a dermatologist and mm-hmm. I took one look at this industry and just said, wow, this is a fantastic industry. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, a lot of fun. You know, I don't believe we're in the look good business. I believe we're in the feel good business. Mm-hmm. And so it took me two and a half years. Um, this whole idea was dead four times. Uh, <laughs> and I kept getting it, pulling it off, off the ground. And then um, finally got uh, introduced to um, a private equity fund uh, that really understood healthcare. Yeah. And, uh, pitched them the idea and um, the name of that, that uh, private equity fund is Persistence Capital. They're a, a health centric private equity fund. My counterpart in that fund is a guy named John Trank, who we just got along immediately mm-hmm. and really created a, like a single idea, a North star, if you want to call it that yeah. patient experience is, is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to find a financial person that gets that yeah. to say, it's all about patient experience. So once we agreed on that, um, we just really got really cooking. And then um, we opened our doors on October 2nd, 2019. And we were at zero clinics and we're now at 24, wow. uh, soon to be 30. Our clinics are mostly doctor run um, okay. clinics that we've acquired. They're usually big clinics, but we also have bought nurse ran clinics and, um, you know, different configurations were very open. I think the one thing we're really proud of is we're not a one size fits all. Right. Um, we don't even rebrand our clinics. Yeah. Um, that's not something that we do either. So our, everyone keeps the, you know, the name on the door and we think that's really important. I think that's actually a real part of the yeah, that's, that's an interest. So, um, a couple questions, um, 
Because that's interesting. So first of all, you are you're, you're partnered with um, and, and kind of backed by a private equity fund that that that, that has some of the um, obviously has an interest in, in in medical aesthetics as well. And so they're providing some of the um, some of the the capital to make this happen. But 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 you're the really kind of the management side of things. You're coming in and you're and you're doing kind of the back end, uh, taking taking the business side off of the provider's hands so they can just practice practice aesthetics. Is, is, is that a fair assessment? Alex, you actually nailed it, which a lot of people don't get that, <laughs> what you just awesome. nailed, which is, you know, we take the business part off of the, the practice themselves. So we really let them focus on the patients. And my, my private equity partners take the capital portion off of us. So we don't have to worry about that. Right. What we really focus on is just the operations. And um, there's some private equity funds that get heavily involved in kind of the operations. Um, our private equity fund, I believe, has a real true belief in what we're doing as a management company. Mm-hmm. And so we really are the ones managing. We're the ones taking care of that. And I think that's allowed us to really preserve um, that patient experience and and I would call the uniqueness and the specialness of our individual clinics and why, you know, our clinic owners and staff really like us. We're not kind of that evil overlord. We're right there with them operating. Right. So it's a, it's a really good relationship that way. So, so you consider yourself like a management company for medical aesthetics, really? That's kind of your, okay. Because that's, you know, one thing that folks, you know, we're, we're just, you know, in this, I call it the first iteration. It's, it's probably, it's probably more like the second or third, but of this kind of roll up of medical spas, it's the first time really in the industry's history where we've seen kind of a really consistent consolidation of different areas. We saw a little bit back in the early 2000s, but that, that, that you know, was interrupted by various recessions. Um, one thing that people tend to be unaware of is their ability to be able to sell to private equity or to other investment companies. And when they do, they're often introduced to the concept of, you know, MSOs and which we can get into a little bit later in, in management. Um, but, 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 and, and there's a lot of legal reasons for that, but really what it, what it means is, you know, someone is coming in and is helping you with the business side of things so that you can focus on medicine. And let's be honest, a lot of uh, providers aren't, aren't super skilled when it comes to marketing and business and back office and accounting and bookkeeping and all those things. So they need someone to kind of take that, that, that off their hands. So I, and I, I like how you're just kind of saying, Hey, we're a management company. We're coming in and, 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 and managing you. Um, is, uh, again, is, is that kind of a fair, fair depiction of what you're doing? Yeah. I, I kind of, to be honest with you, I kind of like that depiction of, <laughs> of it in, in a few ways. Um, I'm sorry. There's various like notifications going on. No, it's fine. Here. I, I thought I've got everything shut down, but you know, we are the company that's out there making the acquisition. We are acquiring, but what we, the way we look at it is yes, we're the management company, but we look at our clinics as our customer. Okay. Um, even though we own them, we look at them as our customer and say, well, great. How are we going to make your life better so you can serve patients better and you can be more effective and you can do all the things that you're going to do to create this great patient experience to get people back in the door. Honestly, it's that simple. Um, What you said though, which is really interesting when you talk about iterations, um, I think it's really interesting because everybody we talk to in the U S one of the things that they say to us is 
it is so refreshing to talk to somebody who cares about medical aesthetics um, as, a, as a platform because there have been a lot of medical dermatology consolidations going on in the U.S. Yeah. and there was a real focus there, right? Yeah. And so, you know, there, I think from those platforms, there was some dabbling in, well, let's take a look at some of these clinics. But what we're hearing from a lot of the doctors and nurses and, and entrepreneurs that own these clinics are, gosh, you know, the first people that we've talked to that just care about medical aesthetics and you seem to really get it because you do it every day. And I think that is potentially where a shift has gone, where um, what happened after COVID from an investor standpoint is that um, larger PE funds um, that were interested in the space finally saw that this industry was very resilient all the way through it. Yeah, and it's true. what they're also, I, I, and I th- I'm proud of this yeah. as, as it being in this space is not just Me the too. resiliency through COVID, but we have always had a fight for our patients in this industry and we have always had private pay and we don't have that insurance reimbursement risk. And so it makes us in general, a lot more attractive. And I think, you know, bigger PE is waking up to that fact. And that's why you're seeing a lot of interest in the industry itself right now. Yeah. I, um, so a couple other things there's, um, I, I've had, you know, tons of conversations with, with some of the biggest PE firms and some of the smallest ones. Um, and one thing that, 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 and this isn't universally true, but it's, it's a, it seems to be a consistent theme is that a lot of times they, they don't believe that the industry is, is mature enough yet. And that these, these, the brands, um, the med spas that are out there tend to be more, of the mom and pop variety, single owner, single location, maybe two location. Um, and, and that's not big enough yet for a med, for a, a, a large private equity fund to buy. They want to buy 50, right? Or they want to buy and make it 300. They want to buy a, you know, a, a hundred million dollar revenue business and build it up into a $500 million revenue business. Um, but, um, but, what I always tell them is, yeah, you know, that might be true, but there are so many of these really good, strong, smaller brands out there right now that are really starting to develop. And, and what's your, what's your view on that? And, and a more pointed question is, do you, are, are you restricting, you said you kind of do everybody, you know, um, are, are, are you looking for chains or are you looking for single locations and what's kind of the, 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 the primary target target that you're looking for right now? Yeah. And, and honestly, I'm not being uh, coy when I, I, I say this, like we are looking for great practices. So it doesn't matter what they actually look like. And for us, um, I think you said something was really important in the beginning of that, which is we are doing the hard part, which is taking a bunch of single clinics and putting them under a single umbrella. For us, we're looking for great clinics. That could be a single clinic. That could be two clinics. It could be a chain of five clinics. Okay. It could be 10 or 15. It doesn't matter. I mean, we're looking for um, great clinics and or clinics that want to be great. Um, you know, they they have a, a real potential to be great. They need help. They want to get to themselves to a position where they can actually have that growth. And they many times we hear from a lot of the operators is, I've taken this as far as I can. And I just feel like I don't have the, um, not necessarily the knowledge, but I don't have the horsepower to really kind of take it to the next level and do the things that 
need to be done to really expand this clinic or clinics into something that is much larger than it currently is. So we're seeing a lot of, of that kind of um, thing going on. And look, we're really open to everyone. What we do love is, is much non-surgical uh, as a mix of revenue that we can find. That's okay. for us. Okay. Um, some that's a real focus for us. And that's mostly coming from our Canadian roots, which is a lot of folks don't, don't realize the, the difference between the U.S. and Canada in that Canada's medical dermatology does not play, pay well. Uh, and it's province to province, right? Uh, no, to state to state like that, but it doesn't pay well. So what you have in Canada that you don't see quite as much in the U.S. is top flight dermatologists that have opened a pure cosmetic clinic. Right. Um, Interesting. And we see that a lot. And we also see a lot of GPs, um, of course, that have opened and they don't, they don't even operate their family practices anymore. They just do medical aesthetics mm-hmm. where conversely, when you look at the U S um, it was a lot of the plastic surgeons that had opened up um, right. really the non-surgical side. And you're seeing a lot more of that mix of, of surgical and non-surgical together um, cross border. That's right. So those are, those are the two main kind of ownership differences that you see. I also, I also do see a heck of a lot more um, nurse ran and entrepreneur uh, ran clinics in the U S and, and that's to the benefit of the fact of state regulations being different and those types of things where you're allowed to do that. Right. Right. You know, I was, I was going to get into the differences between um, Canada and America um, or United States. Cause I, because I, there's got to be a lot of similarities, but I also, I mean, there's a, a, a much, a, a much different um, healthcare system in Canada than there is in, in the States. Um, what, and you mentioned that, that, that it's a lot of the um, providers aren't, you know, it's, it's not, is it, is it not as lucrative in Canada or what's the, what's the difference in, in kind of money making and, and from a business sense from the med spas you find in Canada versus the United States, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. So, so when it comes to medical aesthetics, you know, like pure medical aesthetics without any medical dermatology in there, incredibly lucrative. Okay. Um, Gotcha. It's the medical dermatology. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to medical dermatology, medical dermatology, not quite as much though. I mean, you can run a good business, but you need a lot of doctors to generate like that. Gotcha. Um, but when it comes to medical aesthetics in Canada, no, the clinics do fantastic. Um, okay. There's um, there's a real appetite for the the treatments. Um, we have a very high skill level when it comes to injectors mm-hmm. in Canada. Mostly, um, I, a lot of people don't realize the difference in that the U.S. approves devices a lot quicker, where Canada improves. Um, injectable treatments a lot quicker. Okay. Um, so I would say it's a very mature market. Um, and when we see our clinics, you're, you're seeing, um, on a more typical basis where when it comes to say doing fillers, you have a lot of injectors that are very comfortable doing a four to six syringe, six syringe filler. Um, where I think in other parts where it's not quite as developed, it's like, okay, well, you know, we're not really comfortable either full face or we're not comfortable actually really taking this to a level where our injectors feel like, look, we want to take this further to give you the best outcome 
possible, make it look really natural, but you know, we need to do all these different things and that's going to take four to six um, right. syringes and you need the skill set to pull it off. Right. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested a little bit in, in, in some of the, the single location med spas. Um, there are the, the folks who have single location med spas in the States oftentimes are a bit limited when it comes to investment dollars and it comes to, to being acquired, frankly, because a lot of the, the PE that's looking in, in the States are looking for multiple locations. They're looking for, um, you know, the, the, the ability to scale on a nationwide basis. Um, and you said something interesting, cause I think I, f- I find this as well is that there are, there are, there are some providers who either because of just fatigue of running the business or whatever it is, realize that they've kind of gone as far as they've, they, they, they've gone and they need that kind of boost or that help to get to the next level. Um, what, what types of characteristics for someone who's out there listening right now, maybe has a med spa or is looking to open one. Um, what is it that's attractive to you? I mean, what, what is it that draws you in? And, and are there, is there, can, can anybody like contact you and say, Hey, I would love to be a part of this. Or is it, are you kind of seeking folks out? Like how's the selection process work? Yeah. So um, I want to maybe answer your first question yeah. first, which is like, what are we looking for? I, I rather have, a single clinic, well-run, multiple injectors, providing fantastic patient experience over a multi-location that is um, not providing that patient experience, um, has a bunch of injector risk because there's a single injector in each location, you know, those types of things. Um, what, like, if you want, first of all, we're interested in, 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 all opportunities and you know after looking at those opportunities it's not that we pull the trigger on all those but we're very interested because you're either a fantastic clinic now or you're potentially a clinic that has a ton of potential that we want to be able to kind of take that clinic and and really build it up and get it to where it should be um if you have a clinic and you are saying you know do how do i make my clinic more attractive to for a potential purchase it's really simple i mean first things first dissect your patient experience do you have a great patient experience the second thing is do you have redundancy in the clinic are there are there multiple injectors um the third mm-hmm. thing is um attrition i would say that Coming from different industries, I think the thing that shocked me the most out of uh, this industry, and I'm talking even some of the best clinics, the attrition rate is much higher than I expected. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Much higher. And I would say that 99% of clinics don't watch that attrition rate. They don't. And and when you say attrition, you're talking about patient retention, right? Patients coming in for more and coming back. Exactly. Exactly. And those retention rates, um, are just lower than you would think. Yeah. I mean, there's a just high patient attrition in a lot of these. And why? It's just because you're, they're not focused there. I think what happens with a, a lot of um, businesses is they're thinking new, new, new. I want new people coming through the door. And it's like, yeah, but your real opportunity is is actually sitting in your database. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so true. And I I had recently had a conversation with somebody else about that very topic. Uh, someone who runs a med spa and they said, you know, a new, new patient has the least amount of value to you, even though they're important, you want to get them, but they haven't paid you anything yet. They haven't come back for other treatments. What do you see though? You said folks don't focus on the retention or the attrition side of things. Um, 
what what are they not doing and what or what could they be doing better to get folks to come back yeah i i think first of all just having it in your head that this patient needs to come back in the door just that just yeah. start right there to say our number one goal is to make sure that this patient that's yeah. sitting in this seat right now comes back through the door. How do we do that? Yeah. Well, there's just so many ways to do it. You know, um, what's, what's the conversations that you're going to have with them while they're in clinic? What are the conversations you're going to have with them as they're coming up to pay? What are their, what kind of communication are you going to have with them when it comes to communicating them to get them back in the clinic? Um, what other treatments have you actually introduced them to? It's all these different things that all surround patient retention. And I'm, I, you know, Alex, I would tell you some of the best clinics that are incredibly lucrative do not focus on this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's so, I'm so curious about that. Like it's because it seems so, it seems so intuitive, right? that it's, it's it doesn't make sense to me because you're absolutely right i mean you know that and it's not like a plastic surgery office or or you know where where oftentimes you're getting a procedure and then that procedure is done and kind of you're on your way like this is something where there's enough treatments where you can continue to bring them back every 30 days 60 days 90 days i mean uh it's 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 really interesting that that that, that that's an issue that you've noticed it too i i, I find that fascinating um I, I'm, I what can we do about it i mean what's the i mean i know we're talking about it but like it's 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 something that that i think folks need to learn more about yeah so i think um i think what's it's really important is you know when you say what can we do about it um I think it's it's all those kind of steps that I had spoken about. Yeah. But I think yeah. I think there's a bigger problem. I think the bigger problem is you have so many people that are working in their business and not working on their business. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I I think there's just no question. Right. That's right. And and it's not their fault. Like I ran smaller businesses where you just don't have the resources to yeah. go. I'm going to dissect this, but I would say. If you're an owner and you're working in your business, I would say literally take a day off and think about patient retention for eight hours. Just sit there and think about how can we fix patient retention Mm -hmm. and it will be worth exponentially more than the dollars you lose in that day uh, from, you know, not injecting or, or, or being part of the business. Um, I I just think it's, it's not something that gets enough airtime in businesses. Um, and even, you know, I'm going to talk about something else that's just so common is leads coming into a clinic. They get called once, they never get called again. Yeah. And if they reach them, they reach them. If they don't reach them, they don't reach them. Yeah. And that's another, you know, when you think about it, it's a big giant bucket and there's holes in the bucket. And, it, and the more you fill that bucket, uh, the holes in those bucket up, you know, the, your bucket's going to go up. It is literally that simple. Yeah. Hey everybody, Alex Tiersch here, and I wanted to take a second to let you guys know about AmSpa's Medical Spa and Aesthetic Boot Camps. It is boot camp season here at AmSpa, and we are getting ready to go on the road with our boot camps. Um, Many of you have been to them. We've been doing them for gosh, going on, I want to say six, seven years now. We've we've educated um, hundreds upon hundreds of med spa owners across the country. But for those of you who haven't been, 
AIMSPA's medical spa and aesthetic boot camps are intense two-day seminars covering legal and best practices, um, business best practices in the medical spa industry. Medical spa and aesthetic boot camps are designed for all medical spa professionals looking to run efficient, compliant, and profitable aesthetic practices. We get into everything from business planning to updating your business plan, marketing, two hours on legal and compliance, sales training, um, purchasing um, equipment, all sorts of things. And we've we've added breakout sessions talking about things like putting your med spa up for sale, what's the what's the the market for expansion and acquisition and things like that. So we really want to make sure that everyone has something they can get. And I think if you uh, take a look at the agenda, you'll find that to be to be the case. These things are intense, though. I want to make sure that all of you understand who are going to, if you're going to show up, we do these things to the limit and we make sure we give you all the information that you need. So it's two days chock full of information. Join us. We're going to be in Atlanta, May 13th through 15th, Chicago, June 24th, 26th, New York, July 22nd through 24th, San Francisco, August 19th through 21st, Houston, October 7th through 9th, and Miami, November 4th through 6th. Registration is limited. It will fill up fast. So visit AmericanMedSpa.org slash Amospa Bootcamps to reserve your seat today. See you there. What, coming from other business verticals like you've come from and, and, and you know, online and, 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 and the things you're doing with funerals and, and your other businesses, um, what else surprised you um, or not even surprised you? Like, what, what, what is it about the medical spa industry that, that could be improved from a basic business processes thing? Because that's one thing I focus on all the time. And what I, I'm seeing a lot of are folks like you or folks who run products in other, other industries where they're doing, whether it's, it's membership programs or some sort of online thing, whatever it is. And they're coming into medical aesthetics because they see that, that the, the basic business processes and, and business acumen is not there. You mentioned patient retention. Is there anything else that you look at and you're like, man, this is something that like, like there's some low hanging fruit here that most people can, can, can get to. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I don't even know where to start with that question because there is so much low hanging for funny enough, Alex, before we got the platform up and running and, you know, gotten, gotten knee deep in it. I was thinking about all these new treatments to bring in and all these other things. And it's like, you don't have to do any of that. There is enough between, you know, injectables and all the different devices and all these different things you can do. I mean, I see all kinds of common mistakes. I see, I see clinics with four skin tightening devices and <laughs> I'm like, okay, why, why, why do you have that? They're like, Oh, well this thing, this thing paid itself off in like six weeks. And I was like, yeah, because it, it cannibalized this other machine you have over here. Yeah. So I do see clinics uh, either a have an overabundance of devices. They don't focus on any of them. And they don't really have a plan. Um, the second thing that we see everywhere is everywhere. This is a big one is no treatment planning. Mm-hmm. No treatment planning is a very mm-hmm. transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our big KOLs is uh, Dr. Shannon Humphrey. Mm-hmm. And 
she is such a huge advocate of this kind of 360 degree treatment planning. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, yeah. Treatment planning. I'm like, no, no, no. Treatment planning is a business strategy. Not only is it the greatest thing for your patients, but it's actually a solid business strategy because you've taken something that's potentially a transactional relationship and you've turned it into a very long beneficial relationship that's benefiting the patient greatly. And from a financial aspect, it's really increasing a lot of value in the clinic. Why? Back to retention. Mm -hmm. You're having the same patient coming in four times a year instead of that patient coming in one to two times a year. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that is an issue in almost every single clinic that we've ever walked into Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is no treatment plan. I, I, I think both of those things, and if you throw in retention, which, and they're all related, obviously, right? I mean, it's, yeah, they're all part of the same ecosystem. Um, we're, we're starting to see people talk about treatment planning. We're talk, starting to see people talk about, um, you know, limiting your devices. There's no need to go out and get everything. Um, uh, you can, but you've got it. You know, they don't, you don't want, you don't want a $150,000 coat rack, which I see a lot of, right. People just, you know, stuff sitting in closets, not doing anything. Um, and, and, um, th- th- there's so much of this basic business training that I think we're starting to develop as, as the industry kind of matures a little bit. Are, are there, um, if, do you, do you take on like smaller kind of startup type bit? Like maybe you've got some, and, and the reason I ask this is there are a lot of, um, injectors in particular out there in, in, in the States that are, you can tell just, they have got an incredible practice. Um, maybe it's a million, million and a half a year only because they're just doing injectables themselves and they're kind of, you know, bootstrapping it. Is, is that someone you'd be interested in too? Or is it, or, or do they need to be a little bit bigger than that before you, you start to think about it? Yeah. I mean, usually that's not our, our sweet spot. Um, we would usually like something that is a bit more of an established business. And just in the sense of, you know, I've seen businesses that have been open for 18 months and they have three injectors and, and that's a great business. We love, but um, we have seen businesses that have a, a one solid clinic location and they've then opened up a satellite or two satellites. And those are in process. Those we're interested in too, because there's a solid business that it's around for it. Um, So we're very interested in in what I would say that the business is just matured enough to a point that it's it's a going concern. It's it's running, mm-hmm. it's producing. Um, and again, we're very open that if there's more satellite locations that will be coming off of that. Sure, great, lots of interest yeah. there. So, what are these? Um, what do the transactions look like? And and I, I'm not getting into you know, necessarily specifics about what you're spending, but, but, um, number one, when it comes to valuing, are you doing kind of the typical, you know, the, the private equity fund comes in and does a, a multiple of EBITDA and profitability and, and that's how it works. And then are the owners getting to roll equity into it? And typically how much equity is being, is being, ta- is being bought from them versus how much they're, they're keeping. What, what does a, a typical kind of structure look like? If you can share it. Yeah, and just for clarity, it's it, the private equity fund's not involved at all. 
It's right. just MedSpot Partners okay. for the company. Okay. Um, no, that's good to know because, I mean, they're the ones who are coming in and, and, and picking apart the, the financials and doing all that stuff. And you're like, Ugh. well, yeah, you're, you're dealing with people that really understand medical aesthetic clinics. Like, okay. that's who you're dealing with when you're dealing with MedSpot Partners. Um, and I think it's really important because, you know, we've done it so many times. We get it. We know the things. We're not asking you for things that we just know you can't provide us. Um, is important. So, so these, these transactions are usually, um, based off a of multiple of EBITDA, which okay. is, which is typical, um, for us, um, we love everyone to roll equity, um, back up into the higher, into the, into the mothership. Okay. So, um, sometimes you'll see platforms where they'll let you hold equity in your individual clinic. Yeah. We think that's a really bad idea in the sense of, we want you to hold the mothership because we want you to care about everybody else. And we want everybody else to care about you. And what that's done in our platform is created an incredible sense of sharing. Yeah. Um, I I think when business owners talk about their businesses and they're like, Oh, well let's share best practices. It's like, well, they're not all the time sharing their best, best practices. And when you have this fantastic exchange of, of ideas based on the fact that you're all financially tied to it, you really are getting the best of the best. And so we have this kind of incredible sharing across the platform. And that goes from the doctors and the nurses, the clinic managers, everybody talks. Mm -hmm. In fact, all of our clinic managers on the West coast are together today, just basically sharing best practices. Okay. Um, So you you do like kind of round tables with your different clinic managers. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we do it with our doctors as well. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then our big KOL doctors um, do whole training uh, sessions that everybody's invited to. So all the nurses get the benefit of, of seeing that, the GPs, the derms, everybody, plastic surgeon, everybody's together and they're just all sharing. And you get that when you are sharing equity right. together. Right. Um, with us, because we're very well capitalized, you're not waiting for your money for five years. Yeah. Um, there's none of that garbage kind of where you're going, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you, but I'm not going to pay you now. Yeah. I'm going to pay you later. No, with us, you're getting uh, a huge chunk of your dollars on day one. Boom. It's all there. You're getting your equity. You know, that's how we like to operate. Okay. So and you're not is, waiting at any time. Is there and I, I realize we're we're kind of still in the beginning parts of this, but is there a plan later on for these folks to be able to exit if they want to, or 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 is there a plan to to potentially uh, have everybody exit as when the platform does something? I mean, what's the kind of the, the what's what's the overall strategy there? Yeah, so just be like my shares are the same as any anybody else's shares. Yeah. Okay, and by the way, the private equity shares are the same too, okay. right? Yeah. So for us we all exit together. So when oh, we gotcha. exit, we all exit together. Everybody benefits. Um, and that, and we did it that way on, on purpose. So everybody felt kind of equal in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, I mean, there's, you know, it, 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 it well, uh, you know, actually I want to back up a little bit because one of the things you said at the beginning was that folks get to keep their own brands, which, which is, 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 is that right? So you're not, you're not rolling it into the one. Clinic. The clinic keeps the brand. Yeah. The clinic keeps the, the brand. The, yeah. Okay. So, so the clinic keeps the brand. Um, and with the clinic keeping the brand, 
we just think that's really important. We think it's important not only to the patients, but also to the employees as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I why is that? Because I, typically, um, and, and I've actually kind of pitched ideas like this to, to private equity say, Hey, you know, you, you don't need to have one brand. You can have different brands. I mean, they're all very loyal to, you know, patients are loyal to providers, um, and to their specific brands. They're not necessarily loyal to, you know, Mario Chicochi. They go to a, they go to a stylist at their local Mario Chicochi, right? Um, yeah. Most private equities or larger investment f- firms don't see it that way. Their, th- their goal is to brand it, co-brand everything and then sell it. So um, what's the what's the, the, the thought process behind your statement that it's important for, for, for the individual clinics to keep their brands? So this was a, a hot topic of conversation in the early days yeah, of I'll starting this platform. And I want to, I want to share my personal view on it. Okay. And it's actually the view shared by my financial partners as well. If I was going to the dentist, I don't think I'd care about the brand being the same. If I was going to an orthodontist, I don't think I'd care too much either. Optical, probably the same thing. I wouldn't really care. People are coming to a medical aesthetics platform. uh, And sorry, a medical aesthetics clinic, I believe, because they want an experience that's tailored to them Mm -hmm. because they want an experience that's tailored to them. I believe they want a unique experience that's tailored to them. Mm -hmm. And when I'm going into a clinic location that there are 10 of them or 15 of them in my city, I just think this is a very different industry. And I think that a lot of folks don't get that that it's a different industry with a different customer mindset. And because of that, you have to have a different mindset. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think, I don't think it's a one size fits all um, type of business. And that's why we went that direction. Now, don't get me wrong. There's ideal image out there and laser and they're all doing their thing. And I think that's a, that's a subset of the market that maybe doesn't care so much. Um, we're looking for for lifelong relationships uh, from a patient perspective, and I think that's a different kind of patient, and they want a different kind of thing. Yeah, I think uh, I think using the kind of the dentist uh, orthodontist an- uh, analogy I, I, is is apt. I always I always go to I always go to salon and hairstylist, which is not probably not the best. Um, analogy, but I do because it's more of a. I feel like it's more of a retail-centered business. But either way, you're you you are talking about people wanting to be loyal to a particular clinic or office um, or person as opposed to a, a large brand. I, I you know I don't I don't see many people you know wanting to go to the dentist because it's a whatever what kind of dentist place it is. It's really because they they like their dentist. Um, along those lines. One question I've gotten from folks um, when it comes to trying to scale and open up multiple clinics if they want to do that, or if they're becoming um, part of a larger platform or a private equity play, the the question becomes, how do you duplicate um, an experience among different providers, even in the same clinic, right? Because I, I would go... 
I, I would like my dentist. And if my dentist wasn't in, I would reschedule until I could go see my dentist. I wouldn't just go to a different dentist in the clinic. How do you do it? But that, that's not necessarily what, what you want and what a business, what you want people to come in and experience different people. Cause you don't want them to be loyal to only one person. You want them to be loyal to the brand. What's, what's the, so, the solution? That's a loaded question, but what's the answer to that? No, it's a great question because it's, 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 it's one of the premises of MedSpa partners, you know, how do we produce a brand experience instead of an individual doctor experience in these individual clinics? Because the question is, is when we buy clinics, we're not buying clinics so they can stay open for the next, you know, five, six, seven years. We're buying clinics so they can stay open for the next 50 years, you know? Uh, and for us, what does that mean? You know, what we try to do, and I think, you know, if, if you're, if you're a clinic owner, what you should try to do is promote your brand and not be promoting individuals in the clinic. And I, and I've seen that where they're really promoting individuals and I go, gosh, that's a little scary. Like, you know, that individual can take off on you like whenever they want. Um, but I think the, I, I think for us, it's about really promoting the brands. You said, sorry, you said so many things in there that I wanted to comment on, which yeah, was, I tend you know, to how do we, yeah, how do we ramble? Duplicate, <laughs> yeah, for sure. The, but how do you duplicate that patient experience? And what you, what we really have tried to do is first try to define what we call in inside MedSpot partners is Michelin star patient experience. Mm-hmm. Michelin star patient experience is, is something that, you know, we've kind of, uh, I don't want to say we coined it because Michelin star is out there, but we actually really kind of coined it for, for what we're doing here at MedSpa, which is what is the definition of a Michelin star patient experience? And we took a lot of time breaking that down. And then once we broke it down, we took it and we're able to put it in a, in a way to share it with everybody to say, this is what a Michelin star patient experience looks like from the moment the patient calls you. That's when it starts. Mm-hmm. And we've really tried to do that across all our clinics. And, you know, it are, is the patient going to get the same um, experience being injected by our top KOL uh, compared to someone who's been only injecting for a couple of years? Probably not at this point. But we sure as heck want to make sure that the patient experience is as great as possible right. and also make sure that they're getting a great outcome. You got to you gotta promote brands is what you need to do. Yeah. And I think what happens with a lot of clinics is ego can tend to get in the way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just want to kind of put that to the side and not worry about that. And really, you know, y- your brand is your baby. That's 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 what you want to keep in your head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um What's what's next? What's next for MedSpa Partners? Yeah, so um, gosh, so much. Uh, we we're definitely going to continue what we have been doing, which is we've really continue our Canadian expansion. Um, we're we're constantly expanding in Canada. We're doing all kinds of new things there, but also massive U.S. expansion for us is is what's really on play. We have. Um, we have several transactions in process right now, and we're so excited uh, about that. And not me just being, you know, being a being a kid from the U.S. Uh, originally, 
but I'm excited that we're, we're, we're doing what we're doing uh, in the U.S. because I think we're doing such a great job in Canada. I'm excited to kind of bring that to the U.S. So expand like crazy. And then um, I mentioned that Michelin star patient experience, but for us is, is trying to get that perfected. That mm-hmm. is always one of our key tenants in everything we're doing. Um, and then we, uh, we have training centers as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Very passionate about training. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest um, risks in medical aesthetics right now is is the fact that there isn't great training out there. There's there's a lack, mm-hmm. I feel, of real accreditation. Um, there's a lack of understanding that you know we're we're training someone for such a short amount of time and then sending them off into the wild, mm-hmm. and there's such potential for for a bad outcome there. That doesn't just affect that patient. That doesn't doesn't just affect that that injector. Doesn't just affect that clinic, but it affects the entire industry. Mm-hmm. Um, those bad outcomes are cumulative, and for us, we are so passionate about training. So we have uh, we have two training centers right now in Canada. Uh, we'll be uh, opening up one uh, in the U.S. Uh, very shortly as part of uh, a transaction. And then the other thing that's interesting is we have the first cosmetic only research consortium. Hmm. Uh, so interesting by picking up clinics, mm-hmm. we picked up a bunch of research sites mm-hmm. um, and we've now put those all together. And um, that's really exciting because we've become this incredible kind of one-stop shop. Um, if you want fantastic sites and you need to do, um, you know, you need to do cosmetic research we're the ones there. We don't, do a focus on med on, on the med side, the med derm side. We really, it's just that, that cosmetic side. Yeah, that's so awesome. that's another real focus for us. That's cool. I mean, and then, and then it's, you know, on to uh, Mars and the universe and domination of the entire Milky Way galaxy. Yes. <laughs> um, There's just so much to do. There's so much to do. You want to just do it all. I know. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, Dominic was, I, I appreciate, um, there, there's a lot we got to get to and, and I'm sure we will, we'll bring you back and we'll do another one. Cause I want to hear, I, I want to hear more about, um, you know, how much, uh, Canada dominates the United States in medical aesthetics. I'm really curious about that, <laughs> but I appreciate your time and, and thank you for, um, thank you for joining us. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Dominic Mazzoni, CEO at Med Spa Partners Incorporated. If you're new with us, click the subscribe button to receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.